Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to my JavaScript story. Incidentally, if you're listening to this on my Angular story, we're going to put it on both. So, But we're talking to TJ Van Toll. TJ, do you want to say hi? Hey, everyone. Also, in the spirit of full disclosure, Progress, your employer, is sponsoring several of the shows uh, on behalf of Kendo UI, not native script, which is probably more what we're going to talk about. But Cool. Yeah, we sponsor lots of stuff, so we like yeah. to support. Yep, appreciate it. But uh, yeah, also just wanted to let people know in case they're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> but, but native script is cool stuff. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot there. So let's dive in and, uh, and talk about you. Talk about what you do, who you are, where you came from, all that fun stuff. Uh, before I do that, I just want to call out a few things. First of all, you've been on Adventures in Angular twice. You've been on episode 90 and episode 148. You've been on episode four of... React Native Radio, and episode 186 of JavaScript Jabber. Uh, this is like, this is my life here going on. Going I know, right? <laughs> well, Native Script is generally what we've had you on to talk about. And it's, it's a big part of the Angular community as far as how people build mobile apps. It seems like they're either using Native Script or some Cordova-based solution. And there are a couple of them out there. And yep. Native Script, you know, before the call we were talking, and yeah, it's more closely akin to things like React Native, except you know you have a runtime on top of it and plumbing built in for Angular and Vue. Yeah, sort of the the TLDR of NativeScript is, I mean, you're you're building native apps, you're building iOS and Android apps, and the real differentiator with NativeScript is that we forego the DOM, we forego HTML, and we're building actual native user interfaces. And sort of for, from a developer's perspective, that's both a great and a horrible thing. It's good because your app feels more native because you're actually building with native UI components. It looks more native. But it does mean the learning curve is a little higher than, say, Ionic or Cordova, where you're just more or less just wrapping straight up a web app. So that's sort of where we fit into the equation. And like you said, it's most similar to React Native because... At a very high level, we're doing exactly what React Native does with React. We're just doing it with Angular, and we also support Vue and some other things as well. Yeah, I mean, the basics, and you can go listen to the episodes, but the basics are is that these platforms provide a JavaScript runtime and a bridge uh, from their native runtime over to the JavaScript runtime. And so essentially what they're doing is they're executing logic behind the scenes from the UI in JavaScript across the bridge to either JavaScript core or V8. Yep. Awesome. 
And if you don't know, if you don't know what any of those terms mean, go listen to those episodes. <laughs> but yeah, this episode we're talking about TJ. We're not talking about native script, though. We'll probably dig into some of that. And I'm curious, TJ, how did you get into programming? So my story starts back in middle school when I had the very important task I set upon, which was building a Final Fantasy fan site nice. for you know my my middle my middle school friends. You know, very very important stuff. Uh, when I say back, nice, I mean nerd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, you can kind of grasp what sort of kid I was, but I yeah. uh, no, it was it, it was an interesting endeavor because you know this is of course back in the GeoCities day. I mean, I remember debating between GeoCities and AngelFire for hosting, and you know it's it was frame sets for navigation. Mm-hmm. I I taught myself a little bit of Flash so I could build a Flash intro, auto playing music on the site. You know the if you just think classic GeoCities, like I was that guy, like churning out sites like that back in the day. Uh, playing music when you log, get onto the site. You're the devil. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's back, nuts now. But yeah, back in the day, it was normal. Oh, it was back when building for the web was fun, man. There were no yeah. rules. You just, yeah. you just let loose. Yeah, absolutely. So that was in middle school. Uh, did you continue on that track for high school and college? Yeah, so then I ended up... I mean, really, the story of my, me as a developer was taking some of this fun stuff and starting to get more professional about it. So it ended up being in high school, like I helped run the high school website and mm-hmm. went to, to college then for computer programming, uh, got a job as a developer out of school, working on the web again. And really, that's just been, I've been a web developer since... Uh, really, the web was almost a thing back at least since like the the mid nineties or so. It's it's interesting. Usually, when we're talking to people about yeah their JavaScript journey, it's like I you know I did web development for a long time, and then they somehow got into you know JavaScript, and it was oh this JavaScript thing is cool. And I remember early on in my career, JavaScript was a pain, and then oh, I yeah. kind of embraced it. I'm curious what your journey looks like there. Yeah, I mean, it started where I mean it was the only. You, you use JavaScript out of necessity, right? Because it, yeah, you used it in anger when you couldn't do it any other way. <laughs> well, it's it's like if you wanted that music to autoplay on your yeah. site, it's JavaScript to do it, right? And it's probably some very shady JavaScript that you found on some crazy site that you have no idea mm-hmm. what's doing and works in maybe one browser. But I mean, that's that's sort of where things started. And I think it's interesting because you, I think people that have been through sort of the darker days of that have a little more appreciation for when JavaScript just works nowadays and how far the language has come. I mean, if I write JavaScript for a browser now, I mean, I, I pretty much assume it's just going to work everywhere. I mean, it's a rare situation nowadays where I code something in JavaScript, I switch to some browser and something just straight up doesn't work. But mm-hmm. I mean, back in like the, the IE5 Netscape days, I mean, it was the absolute wild west, right? You just... Yeah. But you did it because you had to, because mm-hmm. there there was no other choice. I mean, the web was the place to build. And if you wanted to take part in that and you wanted to build something cool, JavaScript was your only option. Yeah, that makes sense. One thing that I'm wondering about a little bit is we've had you on the shows, like I said, for the last probably three years off and on to talk about NativeScript. And you mentioned I've been a web developer for a long time, but NativeScript is a mobile technology. So what, how did you make that transition? So really, I mean, when mobile started to take over, right? You think the mm-hmm. iPhone days, 
And I became, I sort of shifted into like, I did a lot of jQuery mobile stuff, worked with a lot of responsive web design mm-hmm. and type of thing as well. But I think there is always this desire, like it's the hip trendy sort of thing to do is to work on iOS and Android directly. And I've always been fascinated by, by that space. And really my interest was how developers could use the same web skills to build those sorts of apps because it's fairly overwhelming. I mean, I've, I've been doing software development for a long time. And even if I jump in to Android or iOS development, you know, once I get beyond the basics, it, it gets rough right away. Like it's a very yeah. specialized thing. You really have to put in the time and effort to learn some of these stacks. And just, so, just to add to that point, I ran an iOS podcast for three years. It's still running. I just retired from it. And I retired from it because I never, ever got around to learning it well enough to write an app. Yeah, I mean... So it's extremely powerful though, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, oh, think, yeah. I think of the apps that I use day to day and they're mostly native iOS apps. That's where I spend the vast majority of my time in, but you have to really know what you're doing in the, the space. And I think JavaScript coming as far as it has, I mean, it used to be considered a toy and technologies like NativeScript, like React Native weren't possible even five or six years ago because the language just wasn't there. It wasn't fast enough. Mm-hmm. And it, these things are only really possible because the language has gotten better. And I think it enables some fairly interesting things that are, are just sort of fun to work on and also pretty practical. And I don't think, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend people use NativeScript or even like React Native in that sense to build. Like if you're building an app that's really pushing the limits on iOS or Android, uh, you're probably not best off using something that's JavaScript based because there is a bit of a penalty that you you face when compared to native. But there's a whole lot of apps that just don't need to push the boundaries. And a lot of people that just want to build something for phones for whether they need APIs or whether they just want to be in the app stores or for whatever reason. And it's kind of cool that you can do that with JavaScript now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember initially, you know, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I, I remember initially when some of the solutions started coming out in other languages. So I was pretty steeped in the Ruby community. So it seems like Ro Mobile or uh, what is it? The, the other Ruby one that's the native one. Yeah. I'll think of it in a minute. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so those started to come out. And then, yeah, we started seeing them in JavaScript, you know, with the phone gap, which became Cordova. But a lot of those solutions were really kind of clunky. And, you know, it was, okay, you know, you can bang something out and as long as it doesn't need too much in the way of complicated anything you know you could kind of get away with it and now it's gotten to the point where you can build most things that people are going to want yeah i got my my job at progress back in the day i was hired in to be a part of this thing we were building called icinium which was based off of cordova and so i've been through sort of the full lifespan of cordova and at the beginning it was pretty hairy just in terms of you could build a native app with web but at the time the browsers were so slow that especially mobile web browsers and most cases you ended up with a fairly clunky experience and cordova has come a ways too like i think nowadays you can build some pretty decent cordova apps but i don't know i more or less see the native scripts and react natives of the world is sort of the next logical step, just mm-hmm. sort of getting out of the web as a rendering technology, but using JavaScript is the place where you put your logic, you put your source code and such too. Yeah. 
Well, and JavaScript's everywhere, so it, it makes it fairly approachable. The, yeah, the other thing too is that, you know, we've seen a lot with NativeScript and I, the React community is big on this too, is just sort of this idea of you put your source code, you write that sort of thing once. So yeah. you can have the ability to share the code that you're writing for the web and for native apps as well. And maybe desktop apps with Electron. I mean, heck, nowadays you can build just about anything with with JavaScript and just sort of only rebuild the actual interface part of your app. So spit out your web UI for your web app, but maybe use something like native script to actually render the UI of a native mobile app. Maybe mm-hmm. use something else to build out an Electron app, that sort of thing as well. Yep, absolutely. And even then, I mean, a lot of the state management libraries and all of those things, you know, they, they'll cross the boundary just fine as well because ultimately, yeah, the UI is just your components, whether it's Vue or Angular components. Yeah, and especially if your backend is someplace, I mean, oftentimes your backend is just some API, whether it's an API you write or it's something Firebase, Kinvey, some sort of backend mm-hmm. as well. And so since that's now abstracted from your app as well, it makes it a lot easier to just throw a UI on it, even if that UI lives in various places. Yep, absolutely. So uh, let, let's come back around to you, though. So you, you come in, they've got, what was it, Icenium or something like Icenium, that? Icenium, yeah. I, I don't know. I like, it's, it's funny, we renamed Icenium to App Builder. And I, I think it's, we went from a really cool name that no one knew what it was to like the most descriptive like silly, it's almost like Microsoft sounding. I was going to say. Like, I wonder what App Builder does, huh? <laughs> yep. So, uh, so anyway, so you App Builder and now it's Native Script. I mean, how has that journey been? And you, you're, you're the technical evangelist or the developer evangelist over there, right? Yeah, so it's basically been my job to help recommend which technology people use. So I spend a lot of my my time day in, day out with people coming to me saying, you know, I need to build an app. And should I put this on the web? Should I put this in native apps? Should I build a hybrid app? Should I use, you know, think of every technology we've mentioned over the last 10 or 20 minutes or so. At some point, I've I've experimented and tried out those sorts of things as well. So it's been interesting to me just seeing the evolution of the space, like I said, going from Cordova to things like React Native existing. And I still remember too, with NativeScript, we, this was 2015 is when we unveiled NativeScript and we had it in sort of a a private beta at the time. And we were sort of caught off guard. Facebook released React Native, right? And no one knew this thing was coming. And like, wow, where did this, (laughs) right? this completely different technological stack that's extremely similar to what we were doing. And at the time, we were sort of worried about that sort of thing, considering that, I mean, it's, it's Facebook, right? So it's, it's a pretty right. big company to compete and work with. But I think over time, even though we, we certainly do compete with Facebook in terms of you know, developers trying to build apps, obviously we're similar technologies, but when we were internally testing NativeScript, the biggest thing that people come back, came back to us with is that they didn't necessarily know if they could trust our architecture because they thought it was weird that you were using JavaScript to drive a native UI. It was just a, a really weird and bizarre concept. But then after Facebook did it, all of a sudden, everybody was like, oh, yeah, that, that checks out. Seems, <laughs> That's funny. Seems totally reasonable. So very few people now come to us and just straight up don't trust JavaScript to drive these apps. They just sort of 
believe it will work and just want to know what are what are your options. It's, it's more of a nuanced conversation right. when you're choosing a technology now. So really over, the ta- over time, it's been seeing JavaScript become more accepted amongst developers and just a proliferation of some of these, these tools. I mean, we, we haven't even mentioned things like Xamarin and Flutter and Fuse and, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's dozens of these things now. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we have, yeah, I think there's one coming up in the Vue community people keep talking about, and I can't remember the name. Vue Native? No, it was another one. Weeks. Weeks that's the one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Is, I've, I've got like a Rolodex of these things. I've, <laughs> I'm sure. It's like my NPM my NPM install list is just crazy. I've got a hot, hot mess going on. Nice. So, so what, I mean, what, what is your day generally look like now? I mean, do you spend a bunch of time building apps or are you mostly talking to people or preparing talks or what? So the, the job of a developer advocate is very weird. It's one of the hardest things. My parents have no idea what I do. They're, they <laughs> concept because it's, it's a really hard thing to explain. The, the best way I've come up with to explain it is basically I write, I speak, and I sort of code to help developers know about NativeScript and also be successful with it. So that might mean, you know, maybe we're coming out with a new release of NativeScript. I'm probably one of the first people to see that version and I can test it before we, we sort of publicly release it, put it out there. I give feedback on roadmap issues. I talk with people that are using NativeScript, try to help identify what where people are struggling, what the things we need to fix, maybe new features we might need to add. Right. I come on podcasts like this, right, to try to help people learn that NativeScript is a thing, NativeScript's out there something that you might want to try. So all of those things, it can be kind of an eclectic job just because it's, you do tend to bounce between things a whole lot, you know, cause one day I might be writing a blog post. Another day I might be speaking at an event. Another day I might just be answering questions on Twitter or, or some forum. So it's, it's a fun job in a sense because I get to experiment with all these technologies. If I had a, more traditional nine to five job, I would never have gotten to try a lot of the things I've gotten to do. But the biggest challenge is just prioritizing because you could easily work yourself into the ground because there's constantly forum questions to answer and constantly things to do. So you just sort of have to try to keep a sense of what's the most important thing I could be doing right now. Awesome. What What's the coolest thing that you've built or the thing that you're most proud of that you've done? So, I mean, historically or very recently, <laughs> I think like long-term, I was part of the jQuery project back in the day and I worked on jQuery UI, which I think listeners that have been around for a while uh, probably use at some point. That's probably the project I've worked on that has had the greatest reach. So I'm pretty proud every time I see like a jQuery dialogue, jQuery UI date picker sitting around in some sites. You <laughs> It's amazing how like it's got a very recognizable look. And whenever I stumble upon one of those, it brings a little smile to my face. I think the, and more recently, because that was several years ago, I think of a few of the things I built with, with NativeScript. I think the most fun thing I've been working on is we've been doing a lot of work with NativeScript for augmented reality apps. So one thing we've, we've heard from our community is there's a lot of people that want to experiment and tinker with AR, so whether that's uh, Apple's AR Kit APIs or mm-hmm. Android's AR Core APIs, 
And so I've been lucky enough to have a chance to experiment with these things, sort of play around with them. And I still, <laughs> my conclusion at the end of this is it's, it's pretty hard, right? I, I wish I could tell you about the slick new apps I have out in the stores that would revolutionize and change your life. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's sort of something I'd encourage everybody to just tinker with and play with, even if you're not going to build something practical, because it's, it's just a whole new way of developing apps. That's something I think we'll see more of over time. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking at digging into some AR stuff, but yeah, just having it it, it it's all a function of time. <laughs> it yeah. looks so cool though. Well, and the thing with AR too is I've discovered is it's really easy to do a few of the basic things. Like the first thing I did is like, oh, I'll tr- drop a few 3D models around, and I'll mm-hmm. I'll play some things around the world. I'll let let people rotate them, move them. But then as soon as you want to take the next step and go oh, you know, it'd be great is like if I could add labels to my city and like there's there's some really compelling use cases, some things that you could build. But when you actually try to code those, it's it's still not easy because you get into like coordinate hell, like where what am I looking at? What mm-hmm. positions? If I wanted to place this in the real world, you know, what is the position of that relative to where my camera is? And so I have a lot of respect from people that have built some really cool AR apps because I've sort of experienced firsthand how tricky it is once you get beyond the the 101 type of stuff. Right. So what are you working on now? Is, is it mostly this stuff or is it something else? It is mostly native script. I, I think a couple of things we have working on is one is just code sharing. So we've we've had a lot of demand from people that want to build Angular apps for both the web and just native apps at the same time. And so we spent a lot of time working with the Angular CLI team. And I here in a couple of days, we've, we're going to announce some updates we have just to directly integrate with the Angular CLI with NativeScript. So there's going to be a handful of commands you can run to, say, convert an existing Angular app you have to sort of work in a code-sharing way with NativeScript. So you already have a web app. You, maybe you want to tack on an iOS or Android app that leverages, you know, use, share the same services, share even some of the same routing and some other things as well. Um, so we have that going on and that's coming out fairly soon. I think the other big thing is our support for Vue. And so we've we've got sort of a, I don't know, like a parallel project of making NativeScript work with Vue as well, which is largely a community run effort. So we've just got a handful of developers really just around the world that are help building this. And we're just trying to help curate that and make sure these people aren't blocked at all. So that's what we've been working on there. That's awesome. That makes sense. Well, I know that a lot of people are moving to Vue. I've had a lot of inter- interesting conversations with people around Vue. You know, we've, we've started a show on it. So it's interesting to see, yeah, the movement there. And it's very well established in the Angular community. Yeah, we've just uh, actually earlier this week, we've we launched a thing for code samples. Basically, how do you accomplish X task with NativeScript? And we wanted to make those samples available for both Vue and Angular. And so I've spent over the last few days some time just converting samples from Vue to Angular. And the number one thing that struck me is how incredibly similar the two frameworks really are. I mean, there's, there, I mean, there's obviously differences in features and such, but it's amazing that just from like a binding perspective, components perspective, like at the end of the day, it's a lot of the same functionality with just mm-hmm. uh, sort of different opinionated ways on the best way to implement that functionality. Yep. But yeah, really, sense. like it's it's almost a personal preference thing because you can get the same thing done with 
with either stack. Awesome. Was there anything else that we should dive into with uh, you and what you've done and where you've contributed? I don't know. I don't think so. <clears throat> what, what did you contribute to jQuery UI? So I got started on that. Actually, we were, uh, previous company I worked at, we were using jQuery UI pretty heavily. And I just got started sort of working on issues that we were personally hitting. And the jQuery team, to their credit, was very welcoming. They sort of encouraged you know, new, anybody that was active in the project to become more involved. They sort of held my hand doing a couple common things. And actually, it was a, a fun experience from the sense that, I mean, that's how I learned Git. That's how I learned even working on sort of a large open source project. It was really having my hand held by some of these people that had done it before. And it's, in a way, it opened the door to how I got to progress and how I got to do what I'm doing right now. And I almost think of it as a model for what we try to recreate for NativeScript because we are an open source project as well. So I, we try to do our best to, to make the same sort of thing possible because I'm pretty grateful to the, the people that helped me through those processes because, I mean, it can be fairly overwhelming if you've never, if you've never contributed to open source before. You know, there's, I think there's a movement to simplify this, but even still, there's a lot of new technologies that you have to learn. And it's, it's hard, too, to just approach a random community without knowing anyone. You just got a bunch of faceless avatars and you feel like you know nothing about a project. And so that was an interesting experience. And then once I got involved, I, I really did a lot of just managing jQuery UI's issue tracker. I would fix bugs here or there. I was involved with some of the new features in the, the latest releases, but a lot of it was just, yeah, helping maintain the project, keep it running, keeping the lights on, that sort of thing. Awesome. Well, I think that's all the questions that I have. It's, it's always interesting just to kind of see the, the progression through the, the web community and uh, the JavaScript community. So, I mean, is this something that you, you see yourself doing for the, the longer term? Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where this goes. I mean, long term, for having this conversation five or 10 years from now, is our iOS and Android apps primarily being built with native technologies or is still, will JavaScript continue to take over the world? I think the same question is kind of the, the desktop space is already a little bit ahead of this. I think Electron's sort of eating the desktop world. And I think that the, the native app space might be ready for that sort of revolution with JavaScript too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, people already have these skills and they want to be in those other places. So it makes sense that people would find ways to expand that way. Yeah, and there's things like Apple now letting Mac apps run iOS apps. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's Chromebooks now that can run Android apps. So it's, it's really never been a better time to, to get into native apps and sort of just start tinkering around if nothing else. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, uh, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about? This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the hosting provider I use for devchat.tv. I also use it for my applications that manage the RSS feeds, scheduling, and sponsorships involved in delivering these shows. DigitalOcean is easy to use, has data centers all over the world, and provides terrific services including server hosting and object storage for delivering your web applications and assets quickly and easily. I use DigitalOcean because I love their interface. I get SSD storage for my servers, and their support replies quickly. So go check them out at DigitalOcean.com.
I do. So I, I've, I'm a veteran on these shows, right? So I knew to have some stuff prepared. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, so I'm a podcast fan and uh-huh. I picked out a few that I like. So there is a podcast called How Did This Get Made? I don't know if you've, you've heard of it before, but it is a, it's a comedy podcast that's about movies. Basically, the hosts just watch a bunch of bad or <laughs> interesting movies and just talk about it. It's a really simple concept, but it's a really funny show. So if you're a movie fan at all, it's worth checking out. The other one I have is called Freakonomics, which is, it's a really good book that if you haven't read before, you should check out. But they also have a podcast, the same people that are behind the book that talk about the same sort of concepts. It's really about just interesting economic issues and things that, things that you wouldn't expect to be true. Like why is bike theft so common or, you know, how money works within drug dealing organizations and some really crazy, bizarre topics, but from an economic perspective. So it's a lot of fun to listen to. I think that's it. Awesome. All right. Well, if people want to uh, see what you're working on these days, I'm assuming you're on Twitter and all that good stuff. Maybe you have a blog. TJ Van Toy, I'm pretty consistent with that username. Twitter's probably the best place to reach out. TJ Van Toy on Twitter. Awesome. I'm going to throw in a few picks of my own. So first of all, I'm going to pick just taking some time off. You, you caught me during the, the week that I took off or the couple of weeks I took off. So uh, basically, this year has been really rough. My dad had some health problems and we kind of forced him to retire. We closed down his business and then he passed away. And, and you know, and then I've been dealing with a bunch of other things, pretty overwhelmed with, uh, you know, the, the business of running the podcast and things like that. And I just kind of needed to A, figure out some stuff in my head and B, figure out some things with the business of running the shows, you know, to make sure that it, pays the bills of the people who work on it, um, myself included, and make sure that we're heading the right way, that we're accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish and stuff like that. And so I just emailed all of my co-hosts and said, guys, I'm taking a couple weeks off and everybody was cool with it. So uh, yeah, just taking some time off. I think a lot of times we have this idea that we have to, you know, always be on top of things, always be the overachievers, always have all the answers. And especially in, in technology, I think a lot of times we're pushed that way just by nature of being con- content experts in some way. And so I just want to encourage people, you know what, it's, it's okay to take some time and be a little bit human. So uh, I'm, I'm going to pick that. I also just started a new book on Audible. And you, you can go sign up for Audible at devchat.tv slash Audible. You'll get a, a one book for free unless you already have an account. But if you sign up for a new account, that's what you get. And, and that's more or less how I read books these days. And then if it's a book that I need to like highlight sections or something like that, then I'll get it on the Kindle app or I'll get it uh, a hard copy and highlight it and stuff. But yeah, the book I've been listening to is Crucial Conversations. And I, I think I've picked on the other shows before Crucial Accountability. This is the book that goes into more depth on having the conversations. Crucial accountability is how to build an environment of accountability and how to have the hard conversations about people who are not delivering on what they agree to. Crucial conversations is more along the lines of talking about the things that kind of get emotionally charged or that may affect your day to day or things like that, you know, where it's kind of high stakes conversations. And you you have those in your life, whether it's with your significant other or roommates or people you live with or at work with your boss or with people who who work for you or with you. And so it, it just really dives into having those conversations around, you know, Hey, look, you know, we all agreed that we were going to talk about this in a particular way, or this doesn't line up with our values or, 
things like that, where you can have those conversations without necess- necessarily having somebody feel like you're picking on them. So anyway, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying the book so far. So I'm going to pick that as well. And then we talked about the shows, so I'm just going to shout out about them. Views on View is the newest show for View developers. So if you're interested in View, go check that out. Obviously, we still do Adventures in Angular. And uh, by the time this comes out, I will have for a few weeks been doing a YouTube show. And I'm just going to be talking for five to ten minutes every weekday about something related to Angular or something related to JavaScript. And I may eventually get around to doing one on View. I don't know. But uh, anyway, that's really great. If you're interested in React, we also have a React show. But anyway, uh, definitely check that out. And uh, thank you for coming, TJ. It's always good to talk to you and catch up and see what you're working on and all that good stuff. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Anytime. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, and we will be back next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.